all you drivers and window lickers out there. How y'all doing, Rad Roadies? We are back and we are gonna pose a question today. Do we really have freedoms in America? Dun, dun. Maybe you should tell everybody what a window licker is. <laughs> okay, let me explain. So now that I've been a passenger in an 18-wheeler for a while now, I've joined groups on Facebook and there's an app, which is sort of like a meetup for truck drivers. It's called CDL Life. It's pretty cool actually, um, but I'm learning things I wanted to know and learning things a lot of, a lot of things that I did not want to know <laughs> about the trucking community. Anyway, I've learned what a window licker is. Not looker, licker. It's, you're so close to the window as a passenger that you're almost licking the window because you're staring at the other semis driving by. So I guess I could be considered a window licker. <laughs> yeah, you got accused of this on the CB, actually, very early on. Yeah, but I'm so curious. I'm a curious person by nature, and... I love to look around, and as you all know, they've been following us. I like to take a lot of pictures of the views outside of the windows, so I guess I'm a window licker. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know if I classify myself as a window licker because I'm not necessarily looking at other semi-drivers, but it is very hard to pass a car and, or have a car pass you and not look down in it you're so high like your your view of the car like you can see right down in there yeah you sure can and you see things you don't even want to see yes there's been a lot of things i've seen that i wish i could take back and not see <laughs> but uh, not recently though that's surprising no. like i've seen some goofy stuff and it's been pretty tame lately for some reason i don't know yeah um, but CDL Life app is pretty cool um, as far as, you know, Matt and I are big on community and not isolation. And it does actually allow truck drivers to communicate and meet at truck stops um, and get to know each other. Maybe they've been chatting back and forth on this app for a while now and they just so happen to be at the same truck stop. They can have dinner. There's usually places you can sit down, tables you can sit down at, um, or you just hang outside of the trucks. But um, it's pretty cool because it does really encourage community. It does also encourage some really yucky, negative behavior as well. Like lot lizard hookups? Like lot lizard hookups. Yeah, there was this one gal on there the other day and she said hey y'all I just got into this hotel room and it was so nasty she's like does anybody have room in their truck for me or their hotel room and then there's a picture that says save me a gif that says save me of a female and you know all these guys were responding and my response to her was the only person that's going to save you is Jesus <laughs> <laughs> So anyway. I think she took offense to it. She did, um, but it did open the door and allow an opportunity for ministry. She might not have liked what I had to say, but I was, you know, obviously super kind to her because, you know, just because I don't live her life or walk in her shoes doesn't mean that 
Jesus doesn't love her as much as he loves me. Like we try to see people the way that God sees people through his eyes and she's flawed and, but he loves her. He wants her in heaven just as much as he wants us in heaven. Absolutely. The funny part to me was like, you get on this trucker app for not even very long. You haven't been on this for very long. No. And immediately you find this woman and then some drivers jump in and they're like trying to cancel you basically. Get off. What are you doing out here? Stop following us. Like, yeah. like really? That didn't take very long. Well, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, if you guys can post pornography or post nasty stuff, I, fair game. I can post faith-filled post. Yeah. So it goes the opposite direction as well. So um, I'm going to jump in there in a different way. You know, even if it's just planting seeds for the harvest, I'm not out there, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to save these people and turn their lives around online. But at least I'm planting some seeds. And this kind of spills into our discussion today, which yes. we'll get into later. But yes. um, we've, we've met some folks recently. Yeah, we met um, a guy actually an older gentleman he was walking through the truck lot in cameron missouri and um he was coming towards us as we were coming towards him and he was bald on top and he had this long flowy gray hair and instantly i think of back to the future but <laughs> i was like this guy looks cool i want to talk to him doc brown doc brown Is that, was that his name I doc think. brown i can't remember doc something anyway walks up to us and he's very vicarious. He's very outgoing and very vicarious. And he was very fun to talk to. And man, this guy was full of just some really good stories. And he said he had been driving since 1976. Yeah. We keep, um, we keep meeting these old guys from like way they've been driving forever. Yeah. Like, what is that all about? But whatever. Anyway, he, um, he, he told us that he could not read or write, that he has never been able to read or write. And then here he is, he's a driver. And I'm thinking, how do, in my mind, as he's telling us this, I'm thinking, how does he read the signs on the highway? <laughs> you know? Well, you don't really need to know, read them. You just need to know the shapes and the colors when it comes right down to it. But... I'm thinking, like, you know, you have to know the names of these places you're going, cities and stuff. How do you navigate, navigate, you know, where you're going? And then, of course, you get bills and stuff. Not that you really need to know anything, but of what you're hauling necessarily. But, man, I could just think of the struggles that would be. But Yeah, but he said that a woman at his trucking company actually took the time to try to help him learn how to read and write. And he said, you know what? I just knew on a map, here's point A and here's point B and I'm going to get there. And he's like, it's always worked for me. So it was a really interesting story. We actually tried to get him on the podcast. We, we asked him if he'd sit down with us, we could get his stories on a podcast. And he said, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. My stories are better live. <laughs> and then he um which may be true i don't know but yeah i don't know that was kind of unfortunate because such an interesting guy he has yeah. such a unique story and had all these things kind of happen to him 
But it's funny because the reason he couldn't read and write was because he was dyslexic. Of course, when he was in school, no one even knew what that was. And he kind of found out recently. And everybody's like, oh, you should go back and get your GED or whatever. And he's like, what in the heck is the point now? <laughs> he's like, what is he? Old? He's got to be pushing 70. I don't know. But yeah. I don't know. That was kind of funny. And he said that the same woman actually taught him to, um, he was a really poor money manager that, you know, his parents, when he was growing up, they would spend everything they ever got in their hands or they would give it to people. They gave it away. And he said, so I learned how to do the same thing, which is true, right? Like we, we learn the same patterns if we're not taught any different. And he said, everything I got in my hands, I would give it away or spend it. He said, this woman actually taught me how to invest. And he ended up making a lot of money in little time. Yeah. Like $40,000. Yeah, he's got very efficient at saving money now. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't think he's ever going to stop driving, so it doesn't really matter. You might as well just give it away. So, but here's the <laughs> coolest thing, though, you guys, is... So we meet him in Cameron, Missouri, have this really great long conversation with him. We get in the truck the next day. We head to Iowa to pick up more equipment and he goes a different direction. So then after we pick up the equipment, our landing spot that day just so happens to be in South Dakota in a truck stop. And we pull in and we're driving through and we find a spot as we're getting ready to park, guess who is in the spot right next to us? Doc but Brown. Doc Brown. <laughs> he is in the spot right next to us. And he sees us pulling up and he's got the biggest grin on his face. Now, for all of you that are not in the trucking industry, this is not common. This is very rare to it's, run, it's run into like the... so extremely rare. I don't even know if most people have even had it happen to them. Unless they're yeah. running the same lanes all the time, you might. But OTR like this, to run into somebody again, I've had it happen one other time. But it took almost three years before I ran into the guy again. Yeah, so he's grinning, we're grinning. I get out of the truck. I go jump up on the steps of his truck. He rolls down his window. I'm kind of hanging off his mirror, looking like a lot lizard. Anyway. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyway, we're chatting it up and we're like, funny seeing you here. So anyway, he starts um, telling me a story about how he spent the night in jail once. And I asked him why. And he said, well, I owed back child support. And I said, oh, no, that's not good. I said, you know what? I spent the night in jail once. And he looked at me like, you're kidding me. He didn't believe it. And I said, no, I did too. I said, seriously, I said, I got a divorce and it was ugly. And I started drinking and one night I got a drunk driving and I spent the night in jail. He said, oh, I was divorced three times. I said, yeah, I was divorced once. One and done for me. That's no fun. It financially will set you back yeah. um, big time. And they're not fun. Well, and he said, yeah, that I'm going to use this word instead of what he used. He said, yeah, that witch took me for all my money. I, I said, yeah, divorces are financially hard. 
And he goes, yeah, I got out of jail and I start paying her all the child support back and she was taking everything I earned every week. He goes, I got lucky though. That witch died. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help but laugh. (laughs) I mean, this guy was just real. Just real and as authentic as you can find. It was just fun chatting with him. <laughs> but I said, all right, bud, I better I better go in and get something to eat for dinner. I, I'm, I'm done looking like a lot lizard right now. He just started laughing. He lost it. <laughs> yeah, he had some colorful language. He did have some colorful language, but it was fun chatting with him. And I'm going to tell you, I'm still looking for his truck in every lot. I'm like, I know. I want to run into him again. <laughs> We're going to see him. I feel it. I feel it. Like, I, I feel like he. At some point, we're going to run into him. We're going to talk him into being on this podcast. I don't know how that doesn't happen, but we'll see. Right. We'll see. But I do find it funny, speaking of colorful language, on the CB one day, one truck driver was talking about how great Simple Green was. How he uses Simple Green for cleaning the bugs off of his bumpers and he even uses it to clean his dishes in the truck. <laughs> because I may have even taken a bath in Simple Green a time or two. <laughs> Matt and I were losing it laughing in the truck. I'm like, oh boy. I'm like, is he talking about Simple Green or duct tape? <laughs> like you can use this stuff for everything, apparently. One, another guy jumps down, yeah, I brushed my teeth with it once. I'm like, oh no. That's a, that's, that's a lie. But... I don't think you want to be putting that stuff in your mouth, but it was funny. I'm like, are we really having a whole conversation about Simple, Simple Green, Green over the CV? Yes. That was hilarious. We were. But. And then yesterday we ran into a guy at a truck stop. Um, and where were we, Matt? What state were we in? Um, I don't remember. Were we in, I don't know. Idaho? It might have been Idaho. Idaho. We run into this guy and... Maybe it was um, Wyoming. You know, there was a list of rules. List of rules that were on the on the um, outside of the, the rest area. And so Matt was in the restroom still. And so I'm like, what are these rules? There's a lot of rules here. So I start reading all these rules. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And of course, one of the rules is no hitchhiking or loitering. And so, anyway, this truck driver walks up, and I start sticking up my thumb like I'm hitchhiking and smiling. And I said, you know, you're not supposed to hitchhike here. It says right here on, the, on this wall here, you're not supposed to hitchhike. And he, <laughs> he, he starts laughing, and he said, you know, I can understand why. You don't want to hitchhike today. There was a driver in California that actually uh, picked up a hitchhiker recently, and the hitchhiker killed him. So it's crazy what we're running into as far as, you know, you're trying to extend yourself and be kind to people. And here in turn, he gets killed. Yeah. And so We don't have any room in here anyway. No. Yeah. But he was a great guy to talk to, too. And he was telling us. Um, crazy story. Yeah. Crazy story. How he had started his own business and trucking and trucking and had well he said he'd been he's done all kinds of jobs in the transportation industry but he got to the point where 
he decided he wanted to do his own thing and he started a trucking company <clears throat> and this has been some years ago but you know as the pieces well, he's been of driving for 20 years yeah as yeah. the pieces of the story unfolded i was just like oh wow this is kind of crazy because he started this company and then he was doing really well at it and, and he then, lived in seattle was that correct and then 9-11 happened. Yes. And everything just kind of pulled back a little bit. People kind of freaked out, stopped spending money a little bit. Everybody's wondering what's going on. So it affected his business to the point where it, it buried him. Like, it buried him, and he couldn't sell anything because no one wanted to buy vehicles and stuff. But it bankrupted him. He had $25 left in his account. Yeah. But we later found out in the story, not only did it bankrupt him, but he had four kids that he was raising himself. No, he himself. had five kids. Or five yeah, kids. Yeah, he had five kids. Five kids that he was raising yeah. himself because his wife had passed away a few years earlier of cancer. So he was just kind of like, well, what do I do? So he contacted a sibling and was like, I need help. I have a total of $30 to my name. Can I come and live with you until I can get going again? Yeah, so he moved to a whole other city in another state. But yeah, he, re he recouped himself, built back, and he actually owns another trucking company today. He's owned it for a while. One of his kids is actually involved in it, which is really cool. I don't the way he made it sound, he didn't care too much about the driving part of it, so he kind of does all the behind-the-scenes stuff. But he made the mistake of telling us where he lives, so I'm, we're going to hunt this guy down and get him on the podcast because we need more details of this story. Yes. But it was just a great example of how we have a God, a God that loves us and cares about us. And, and sometimes, you know, in those moments, we want to live in fear we have $25 left in our bank account and we have five kids and we don't know how we're going to take care of our kids and just how faith can bring us through and how God doesn't want to see his children fall on their face, but he wants to take care of us and bring us back and repair us. Yeah. I mean, he's been through some heavy stuff and you would never know it because there's just so much joy on the guy. Like he really enjoys Total joy. He really enjoys what he's doing and he's really close to his son because he's involved in the business too. But he's come a long way. Like I would just love to sit down with him and get some more details on this story because I was just fascinated by like the little time we did get to spend with him, just what he had to say, and I'm like, We're hunting this guy down. I know where he lives, I know his trucking company, we're gonna find him. <laughs> So anyway, let's dig in for what we have today. Kind of what we've been doing lately out here on the road. And, you know, I kind of posed this question the other day because I noticed something when you're out on the road and you turn off the radio and you turn off the CB and you don't read the news and stuff. I'm like, man, I feel really good. Like, I don't hear any of the stuff going on in the world. Like the noise this makes life so much easier so like and i think that's the thing about trucking which probably attracts a lot of people to it is just the freedom of it 
and how you can kind of escape the world and just kind of be out here, you know? But it also got me thinking, well, like, are you serving your purpose on this earth if you're just living in these little sectors of life and not really open to what's going on, right? So I posed the question, I said, is there even freedom in America anymore? Like, you you see all these things happening and everything. So I just asked the question, you know, do we even have freedom? Do you think we do? Well, depends on what your um, definition of freedom is. I mean, we're we talking about the freedoms that our military has fought so hard for? Well, let me give you a couple of definitions. I pulled them up in the dictionary. It's always a good idea, like, just to really understand the word and what it means, because I think sometimes people will take any word and kind of get a slanted definition of it. So I just wanted to look at it, like, well, how is it freedom been defined before? And one of the definitions is the condition of being free of restraints, especially the ability to act without control or interference by another or by circumstance. And then another definition is the condition of not being controlled by another nation or a political power. So it would be political independence. And, you know, it's funny because we've visited some churches and stuff and the political question, especially in the last couple of years, has popped up as to whether a church should be talking politics within the four walls of their church and with their congregation. And it's very interesting to hear people's views on that, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, the way that we view it is there is a lot of scripture throughout the Bible that speaks about justice. Our God is a just God and he speaks about justice and he speaks about um, authorities and kings, which are authorities of nations. And there's a lot of scripture. If you just go into Psalms 94 alone um, without all the other scriptures, and I've posted a lot of the scriptures on our um, Radical Road Facebook page. So if you want to look for that post, there is multiple scriptures on a post. Um, but if you go read Psalms 94, it will really open your eyes up to, um, it's, it's labeled the Lord punishes the guilty. So, but it talks about, it reminds you of what's going on in this country right now. And the thing is like, I dug back through the Bible trying to see you know, what the Bible says about freedom and stuff. And there's not really anything definitive in terms of freedom from government and stuff. It's more about freedom from circumstances and things that weigh you down and those types of things. Um, but it does apply because we believe that our freedoms are given to us by God, not by a government. So, and if you look at this nation, just to get kind of in the history books a little bit, <clears throat> you know, this this country was built on biblical principles. Like it's, you know... Constitution sp it's is built off. sprinkled yeah. through everything 
that the founding fathers, you know, created, it's sprinkled everywhere to the point where even before they had sessions of Congress and things, they would go to church and they would get advice from their pastors and stuff. And well, and that's why it says one nation under God. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, now that's not the case. Like, you know, in very rare circumstances, do you see people in political positions go to their pastors and get advice on how to govern, right? At least from the, at least from just, you know, looking at what people say and stuff, because I feel like if this was happening, people would voice this, right? Like you don't hear politicians talking about God very much anymore. Um, No, but let's like take the politicians themselves and put them aside. Like, are those particular politicians filled with good or are they filled with evil? Like, because really that's what this battle is about is good and evil. And, you know, let's set aside Republican or Democrat, the labels that we place on these politicians. Are they leading in with a good intention of the heart? Are they leading with an evil intention of the heart? Yeah. And that's a, that's a big question, right? Because like, I feel like people, I look at some of these politicians and I look at some of the things that they're trying to invoke into law or whatever. And I see them as evil operating. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person is evil. They just have bought the, into the lie of evil. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of be careful of how you define that because we're not sitting here saying that all these politicians that we don't agree with are evil. We're just saying they're operating around a lie of evil. But I don't know. I just go back to the question, like, do we have freedom? I mean, I've thought about this for a very long time. I'm 49 years old now. And I still remember arguing with my mother when I turned 16 and started to drive, I got a seatbelt ticket and she was yelling at me about wearing a seatbelt. And I posed the question, I'm like, why does the government have to tell me to wear a seatbelt? And the response was, well, it's for your safety. And I'm like, well, I understand that. I'm not arguing that I shouldn't wear a seatbelt. I'm arguing, why does the government have to tell me to wear a seatbelt? Like, can't I just make that choice on my own? So, I mean, I had these thoughts very early on in my life about, like, why is the government sticking its finger into things that it really doesn't need to? And ultimately, it's about control, right? Right. And the federal uh, government has way too much control right now. And this goes back to my original story where I was talking about how you get out here and you get lost from everything. You know, we also visit a lot of small towns and specifically if you go inland to the Midwest, you know, areas off the coast, areas that aren't as heavy, heavily populated. I don't want to say people are oblivious to what's going on, but they're just living their lives like nothing's really happening in a bubble. Yeah. Call it a bubble, call it whatever you want. You know, this whole thing with the FBI raiding Trump's house here recently, you know, it stirred up a lot of people. And so let me say it really stirred me up. And I think for the reason of I I had a lot of righteous anger that night when it was announced. 
And it's okay, first of all, to have righteous anger, but it's not okay to react and act out on that anger um, and wrath. Right. So, like but, the guy showing up at the FBI office with a gun. Right. And then, exactly. and then get shot. That's in wrath. Yeah. Okay. But it's okay to have righteous anger. We're okay. It's okay for us to feel. We need to feel as a people, yeah. especially right now. It's good not to be passive. It's good to feel, but it's how we react to that. But, you know, I'm personally invested. First of all, I was a campaigner. But secondly, the way I looked at that was, this is wrong. This is wrong for the FBI just to embarge like that because it chips away at the people's trust and it chips away at the freedoms that we have in this country as we, the people. And here's why, like I think about the men and the women that, and their families that have sacrificed so much for us to have these freedoms in this country. And I think about the men and the women that's that are still dealing with PTSD or they are disabled, the families that have sacrificed with their loved ones being off for so long serving for this country. And then for us to, to deal with things like that, that just chip away at what they work so hard for, we the people, I got righteously angry about that. Well, you bring up a good point about the military. You know, we've been through some wars as a country and, you know, I just feel like it's dishonoring to these people that sacrificed their lives and the, you know, the sacrifices that the families made for these people. They, they went to war because they wanted to maintain our freedom, not just for themselves, obviously. They're willing to die for it, but they were willing, they wanted to do it to be able to pass that freedom on to the other generations, right? Yeah. Which is also biblical, um, we're supposed to leave a legacy for our children and our children's children. And that's supposed to be passed on over generations. And so now you see this and you watch the things going on. I think it's just dishonoring military and what men and women did before us to first attain the freedom, but then to sustain the freedom. I just think it's, it's very sad and... These things need to be remembered. They need to be emphasized in school and they need to be taught to our children so that they understand like this is a blessing for us to be in this country. Right. Can I can I actually read out of Psalms ninety four? Yes. Psalms ninety four eight says, Can't you fool see? Won't you ever learn? God gave us ears and eyes. So that means don't be passive. You need to see, you need to hear what's going on in this country. It goes on to say, can't you hear and see? God instructs the nations and he gives knowledge to us all. Won't he also correct us? The Lord knows how useless our plans really are. Our Lord, you bless everyone that you instruct and teach by using your law. You give them rest from their troubles until a pit can be dug for the wicked. You won't turn your back on your chosen nation. Justice, <clears throat> let me repeat, justice and fairness will go hand in hand and all who do right will follow along. So I really, we really believe and we pray this every day that, that the evil and the wicked will be revealed in, the, in this nation and that truth will also be revealed and that the, the good intent will be revealed and the evil intent will be revealed. Yeah, and I think to a certain degree it's already being revealed I don't know, just 
I just think about my whole life and just everything that's been stripped away because we just are handing over freedoms, you know? I get that people are trying to make this country a better place and everything, but they don't think of what comes after, you know, the law that gets passed. And every time the federal government passes a law, that's one more thing that gets stripped away from freedom, right? The federal government is way too huge. This is not how this country was designed. But for some reason, we think all our problems are going to be solved by handing it over to, you know, federal level congressmen and a president. They are not meant to have this much power, people. Like, that's not how it was designed. The power should, is supposed to land in the states and, more importantly, within the communities. Because the people of the Midwest are not the same, you know, they don't live, the culture is different. And you're seeing it on TikTok right now, where you're seeing people move from like California to Iowa, and they're getting on TikTok and talking about all the differences and it's going viral. And this is the part of the reason it's like, we're a melting pot of people. We kind of live in different ways. We all are trying to sustain freedom. And or we all should be. We all to, should be. Yeah sustain freedom. So the way they designed the country was to have the powers at the state level and the local level, not so much at the federal level. And here's why we should sustain freedom as a people is it matters for the generations after us. It matters for the for our children and their children. And we shouldn't be so selfish in thinking, let's just keep living our everyday life just the way it is and not make a difference in the political realm because it's so important for your children and their children. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for your children and their children? I would rather leave a legacy as saying, I jumped in there and tried to make a difference. Even if it's something small, make a difference. You know, before I found Christ and started reading the Bible, I really did not understand legacy. I would hear the word and I, you'd think of people like that are in the history books and stuff that did something kind of big, you know, but I didn't understand the full grasp of what the word meant until I started reading the Bible. And now I think about it constantly. It's about a lot of different things, but it's about what you're passing on to the next generation. Yes. And, you know, you start looking around at the world and I'm just seeing all these people that, you know, they're good people. They've, you know, they haven't broke the law. They've raised children. They've had their jobs. And then they cruise into retirement and then just wait for death. And I'm just, I'm looking at all these people and I'm going, well, what's your legacy? Because I feel now that if we're not working towards a legacy, we're kind of being selfish. It's about, okay, I just need to get enough money to retire on so I can live out my days and not have to work. That, that's extremely selfish. Right. It's about being purpose-driven. What are you passing on to the next generation? Yes. And something simple and smaller that you can do that's so very important, even in your busier schedule, is as parents or of voting age, is to study who is in your state? 
who are you going to be voting for? Even um, at state levels, you know, who are you voting for, for your governor, for your mayors, your state legislation? Who's the senators? Who's the congressman? Who's the judges? Who's the sheriff? Um, just study all those people within your state level um, that make a difference. And um, the senators, you know, also that make a difference within your state. Start studying who is running. Um, and as a parent, teach your children how to study those people too, so that it makes a difference for their future and their kids' future. So that when they go in at 18, because I know when I was 18, you know, I went in and I knew who the president I was going to be voting for. Um, right. And a few important people under the president on the federal level. But I didn't know who else to vote for. I was like, any, mini, money, mo. let's just fill in the circles like a test in school. Like, I had no clue who I was voting for. Well, I went in there blind. And so, you know, out of my own mistake, I'm just saying, you know, know who you're voting for as a young person. Um, and as a parent, teach your young uh, adult uh, children how to vote and who to vote for and study them together. Yeah, it's getting very important to figure out who we need to be putting in political positions, offices, things that really drive policy in this nation. More importantly, we need leaders. And that doesn't mean shoving ideals down people's throats. You know, you have all these small groups of people trying to shove their opinions, their ideals onto people. And that's not what this country is about. You can't go, I'm right. And if you're wrong, you're a racist or you're a bigot or you're a homophobe or whatever it is. You're a baby killer, like anything, anything. That's putting us in boxes. That, that throws hate back at somebody mm -hmm. is not what this country was built on. Like, that's not what freedom is. You're right. We have to change our thinking a little bit. But more importantly, we need to get some leadership in that drives freedom in this country. I've put some thought into this lately, like how do you go about doing this? Because, you know, you watch media and, and, and I'm not talking about anybody specifically, I'm just using these examples. But you know, you watch the CNN, the MSNBC, the Fox News, whatever the space is of media, the majority of it is all fear driven. Like it's just, Oh, this is so horrible. And I think about just the most recent thing, the Trump raid on the thing. And everybody's like, just spazzes out immediately, just freaks, freaks yeah. out. And I'm just like, well, first off, pump the brakes. No one even knows what's really going on, you know? And then immediately the fear comes out though. Oh, it's going to be our house next. And it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And I'm like, all right, I get you need ratings and advertisement and stuff, but people need to calm down because I really feel like people like us, good people that just want to have freedom and live their life in this country. I feel like we're the majority. We're just not organized. Well, and we're silent. We need to be more bold in being out there. Yeah, we're silent. I mean, this is one of the reasons why we started this podcast was because we're tired of just 
don't be doing anything. Don't be silent anymore. That's the problem. That's the reason why we're having the problems we're having too. We've had too many people being silent, too many people being passive going, I'm just going to pull my car in the driveway and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to avoid what's going on right now. We need a voice and we need some organization because one of the discussions we had yesterday was if you look, it doesn't matter what party Democrat or Republican they're both political machines. And this goes all the way down to the local level elections where they have the money, the funding, they're handpicking candidates that they want to drive to get elected so that, you know, there's some control of that person, right? Like, that's what it's about. Like, we need, as a political party, we need people that will jump on board with what we're doing. Which is why when you look at Congress, every time they go to pass a bill, every single Democrat votes for the bill and every single Republican votes against it. It's because these political power machines are funding candidates and getting them elected. Well, what we need to do is figure out how do we get our own political machine of money? Because it takes money to get these people to, into leadership. It gets, takes money to get people elected. We need to start thinking about, and this doesn't necessarily mean another political party. I mean, my God, that's the last thing we need. That, that It's what's become about is what political party you're at. We need to be driving solid candidates with solid foundations, with solid leadership skills. Solid morals. And we need to get some money behind them. And we need to figure out how to do that. You know, sitting, I don't care who it is, Fox News, CNN any of these small cable networks, whatever they are, they're all driving fear, but nobody's coming up with any resolutions or answers. And what needs to happen is we need to get real candidates because I can tell you, I'm not happy with anybody in Congress right now on either side of the fence because no one's fighting for freedom. Yeah, and if you feel personally called or compelled, even at your own city's level, start there, jump in. Jump in on city council. Jump in on your city's board. Just get in there. We need people, good people, to start making a difference. Yeah. We need good people to stop living in their bubble and get outside <clears throat> and leave a legacy for the people behind them. Right. And instead of thinking, why me? How me? How can it be me? Why not you? Why not someone like you? Start thinking that way. Start thinking, I can do this. Why not me? Yeah. And jump in there and build yourself a team that supports you. I mean, we thought that way. That was our way of thinking. It's like, well, what are we going to do? We're just two people. We don't, we don't really know anybody. We're not connected, whatever. You got to start somewhere. And we're like, what can we do? And, you know, our story is a little different. We're Christians. We feel like we've been driven by God to do what we're doing now. But even like I was saying earlier, I've been on a big campaign. Actually, I didn't even small. I didn't even start at a small level. I started on a bigger campaign. But look at I could have been like, why me? Why not me? And so I did something. I jumped in on the ground level, and I'm like, I'm gonna put put everything into this. Great. And so. You do the same thing. You can jump in, start helping campaign, whatever you feel compelled to, to just dig in and get in there um, to make a difference. 
Yeah, there's all kinds of areas. There's school boards. There's local city councils. Door knocking. Door knocking. I mean, we've done door knocking. We've done door knocking. Um, campaigning with um, a friend of ours. Yep. It's a little uncomfortable sometimes, but I mean, this is what we got to do because we're just losing the battle. Like, freedoms are getting plucked every single day to the point where I'm just like, are we going to run out at some point? Like, I don't want to run out. I don't want my kids live in some country that gets taken over by somebody, some other country because we're so divided. Right. And speaking of that, I've been on a mission trip to Caracas, Venezuela, and this was years ago, not even today, but years ago. And it was horrible. You guys, it was the rich and the poor and it's worse now. And it's a dictatorship and talk about having no freedoms. I mean, we, our bus on the way to the town, that, on, on the way to Caracas where we were staying, our bus from the airport up a mountain got pulled over by the militia. Like we were getting pulled over, na, 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 na. you know, guys with berets and machine guns pulling us young adults off this bus. And we're like, we just got here, what's gonna happen? Um, we see people eating out of the garbage sacks on the streets. You literally had rich and poor. There was no middle class. And our country has been told by other immigrants that have moved here from third world countries that they're seeing this country turn into that. And so, you guys, it takes all of us. It's going to take all of us stepping into it and doing our part so that we don't turn into a country like Venezuela. Yes. We feel like we really have a heart around this. I don't know if we're necessarily meant to be politicians. Yet to be we, seen. We've, we've done a lot of high-level thinking around this and what we, what we can do. And we're like, how do we drive this to the ground to where this becomes actionable, right? Like, how do, how do we do that? And I just threw that out like, hey... We need to get money around the right people because we're up against a political machine on both sides of the fence. So, you know, this is a start for us. We're trying to get yeah. people started in something to take some action, to do right. something in their communities. So we just want to open up, number one, our email address. Yeah. Um, Cause we're looking for feedback. We're looking for suggestions. I don't know. We just want to be a source of some sort to get information to people and help start something on the ground to get something moving. Yeah. And our email is Matt and Jess at on the radical road.com. And we want to do something a little different today to close with this subject matter. We want to pray over our audience, the rad roadies out there listening in right now. So let's pray together, whether you're in your car, you're at home, wherever you're listening at work. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray over our rad roadies in this audience. We just pray that you reveal the evil of this nation, Lord, that they fall like rotten fruit. Lord, we just pray that you put in place 
people that have a heart after you, Father God, we pray that you put in place people that are strong leaders, leaders of faith, leaders with morals, leaders that will take care of the people of this country, that will maintain the freedoms that the people of this country have worked so hard to gain and to attain and to maintain. Lord, we just pray that you reveal to each person listening today what they can do to make a difference in this country, whether it's small or big. Lord, I just pray that you put it on their hearts, that you open their eyes, their ears, that they are no longer fools, but that they see exactly what's going on. They hear exactly what's going on and that they have good filters, Lord, that they have good discernment on what's going on in this country and that you just guide them right where they need to be to make a difference to maintain this country for their generations after them. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person that's listening. We just pray abundance and blessings on each person listening in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. We thank everybody for listening. Thanks for joining us every week. And that's it for today. We'll see you out on the road, guys. Talk to you next time.